It is an incomplete statement, thus the subject must be supplied. Who is the one favoring, and what undertakings are being favored? The iconography must be taken as a whole. Therefore, the meaning and answer to those questions is in the great seal itself. The eye of providence that sits over the pyramid and between Anuit and Coeptis is better known as the all-seeing eye of Horus, Osiris, Nimrod, and it serves as the best candidate for answering the question of who we are talking about here. However, if we were to take it a step further and consider what, or who, inspired Charles Thompson to use this phrase, we must again look to his favorite poet, Virgil. In Book 9 of Virgil's Aeneid, we find the Latin phrase, Audacibus annuae coeptis. Essentially, it means, grant me success in this brave venture. It is a prayer. To whom is the subject, in this case Ascanius, praying? He is praying to his god, Jupiter slash Zeus, asking him for victory in his battle against Remulus. All-powerful Jupiter, assent to my bold attempt. I myself will bring gifts each year to your temple, and I'll place before your altar a snow-white bullock with gilded forehead, carrying his head as high as his mother, already budding with his horns, and scattering sand with his hoofs. Excerpt from Virgil's Aeneid, Book 9. Note how we have Roman, Greek, Egyptian, and Babylonian themes all on one cipher on the back of our currency. We must acknowledge that there is a great deal of information encoded in the symbols of our nation's great seal, all of which is hidden in plain sight. Thus we must be made aware that the in God we trust is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather the gods of the ancient pagan world. NASA, America's Pagan Space Program I cannot help but wonder if the Illumined Ones were not also giving us some pretty substantial signs through NASA's various space programs. First, we must recognize that NASA was founded with a number of Nazis who were brought over to America from Germany via Project Paperclip and other cultists like Jack Parsons playing key roles in the development of manned space travel. S. Douglas Woodward observes, We allowed felons to immigrate into our country illegally. We turned a blind eye to their reprehensible crimes in Europe. We excused their murders in the name of national security. We sought Nazi technologies to gain advantage over our enemies, thereby allowing these scientists and intelligence agents to stain our mental health systems, certain aspects of our intelligence services, our genetic science, and even sanction the indiscriminate use of mind-controlling drugs. Prior to World War II, we encouraged Nazi science to advance eugenic policies. Afterwards, we recruited Nazi scientists to energize our race into space and even enlisted Nazi criminals to play a part in the assassination of a president. That's from the prologue of Power Quest, Book 2, The Ascendancy of Antichrist in America by S. Douglas Woodward. More than 1,600 Nazis escaped the judgment they deserved and found refuge in America. A group of 104 German rocket scientists including Werner von Braun, Ludwig Roth, and Arthur Rudolph, are pictured here in Figure 34 at Fort Bliss, Texas in 1946. The group had been subdivided into two sections, a smaller one at White Sands Proving Grounds for test launches and the larger at Fort Bliss for research. Many had worked to develop the V-2 rocket at Pienemunde, Germany, 
and came to the United States after World War II, subsequently working on various rockets, including the Explorer 1 space rocket and the Saturn V rocket at NASA. Volumes of books have been written about all of this, so I'm not going to focus on it here. Instead, I want to take a closer look at the early programs. True to occult form, NASA named their projects after pagan deities, Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo, with the latter being the title for the ultimate mission of landing a man on the moon. I don't know who was in charge of naming the various space programs, but I'd like to suggest that they were named on purpose, with each having significant meaning. The people at NASA clearly had an understanding of the pagan pantheon when they named their various missions, rockets, and space modules. S. Douglas Woodward agrees. In his second PowerQuest book, he notes that the numbers 33 and 19.5 repeatedly pop up in NASA's chosen extraterrestrial landing sites as well as relative to NASA's various locations on the Earth. He writes, Ominously, it isn't just location, but it is the place in the heavens where select stars reside at the exact moment of a landing or takeoff. Oftentimes, it is the rising of Sirius. Truth Frequency Radio is your number one source for news and information. Without... So be here, RevolutionRadioFreelSlips.com. I would like, if I may, to put you on a strange journey. Join the Sacred Matrix with host Janet Pirelesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson, 6 p.m. Eastern Time here on Revolution Radio. Here we free ourselves from the God spell, transform the perverted matrix to the divine one. We become conscious and we embrace universal, unlimited love. We feature colorful guests and topics such as extraterrestrials, ghosts, interdimensionals, and aliens. We examine evidence, anomalies, archaeological ruins, and anthropology. We explore past lives, future lives, life between lives. We get into astral projection, near-death experiences, archetypes, visions, and dreams. Episodes include time travel, teleportation, counseling, spirituality, tantra, relationships, peace, shamanism, Peak experiences and ego transcendence. Join the lessons Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com for the Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love. Radio Freedom Slips dot com.
God's grace that the cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows it's true. James here. Today is June 27th, 2015, and welcome to Stormy America. <laughs> Man, we've had a lot of storms lately. I wonder if uh, Nibiru is coming, or I wonder if the end of the world is coming. <laughs> this is, uh, and it's probably, most of it's probably due to harp anyway, and uh, I haven't done a show on harp in quite some time. Uh, I should probably do one after this series on Jewish ideologies. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And this, of course, is the Restoration Hour here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. 
and we're going to be continuing our series on the Jewish ideologies. It is indeed a fact that Jewish ideologies have ruled the world since, oh, I would say the beginning of the 20th century and certainly leading from uh, the Battle of Waterloo when the Rothschilds took control and, and the subsequent Congress of Vienna, which I talked about a couple of times on earlier episodes of Jewish uh, the series on Jewish ideologies, where the Rothschilds, being the wealthiest family on the face of the earth, do have the money to purchase countries, and can if the countries don't want to obey Rothschild dictates, the Rothschilds can finance wars against that country. And that's the modus operandi of the House of Rothschild, even including the Civil War. The, the Rothschilds fomented and financed agents on both sides to instigate the Civil War. And uh, they have instigated all world wars and most communist revolutions since 1815. And that's simply the fact of the matter. Of course, it's not in your history books because the, the Rothschilds don't want to be in your history books. And they make sure of it because they control the curriculum and uh, they control the universities. Uh, that's why all of these universities are so liberal in their context because true, true conservatism wants to preserve the culture of the nation. And, of course, that's not what the Jews want. They don't want to preserve the culture of the nation. They want, they want Rothschild-style dictatorship, Jewish dictatorship, over your country and the latest immigration war. I mean, all, it's just getting ridiculous. How, uh, in fact, uh, it's actually stirring up right-wing opposition around the world to the constant flow of immigrants uh, that the Rothschilds are, you know, putting on boats and sending to European nations, and Obama likewise sending uh, Somalians here to America. Now, why can't these countries take care of their own people? Why is it the responsibility of the white nations to absorb the overpopulation of black countries or other countries? You know, why is it our responsibility to do that? Why can't they clean up their own act? They get all kinds of aid from America anyway. <laughs> so why can't they just operate, have a you know, smooth-running country themselves? But, of course, that's not the plan. The Rothschild plan is to flood white nations with non-white immigrants, as this is part of the war. It's part of the Rothschild Jewish war against the white nation-states, against white Christendom, against all decency, honor, and peace. This is a war, folks. This is an immigration war. And the Rothschilds use proxy populations to make war. And uh, if, if it isn't a violent war, it's some other kind of war. They conceive of all different ways of destroying a country and immigration war by immigration is actually the usually it's the predecessor to violence so we're there's going to be a race war here folks there's going to be an uprising against the Rothschild controlled Federal Reserve Bank the Rothschild controlled government and uh, be be sure Obama is nothing but a Rothschild puppet
and uh, the Zionists and uh, their communist pals in high places in the corporate world and in government are, are simply being relentless. They're relentlessly moving toward a Jewish world dictatorship because they all follow the orders of the Rothschilds. It's, simple. it's just that simple. The Rothschilds are the ones in charge. And that's why you don't hear anything about them. And remember Voltaire when he said, <laughs> you know who, who the powerful people are when you find out who you can't criticize. And you cannot criticize the Rothschilds. They, they just don't do it. And the mainstream media will, won't touch it. They won't ju- touch the Jewish question either. Because, of course, the mainstream media is all owned by Jews anyhow. So they're not going to criticize their their God, their Lord and Master, the House of Rothschild. They're just not going to do it. And rarely do they criticize any corporate magnates either. There used to be a time in America when we actually had a free press that you know, reported on the criminal activities of the robber barons. Now, that's well over 100 years ago. But we don't have that anymore because the corporations learned that in order to silence criticism, all they have to do is buy up the newspapers, and that's what they did. So thank, thank Yahweh for the Internet that we can get the truth out around the corporate news stations, around the global elite news corporations. That's what they are, folks. They're corporations. They don't have news that they're not interested in informing you. They're interested in making sure you don't know what they don't want you to know. So that being the case, let's continue now with uh, the uh, six Jewish ideologies. And uh, we we covered secular humanism, uh, communism, monopolism, and Zionism. And so today we're going to talk about liberalism and how today liberalism is a totally Jewish program to warp society. And this is from my book, The Great Impersonation, and I'll announce a little later at the bottom of the hour how you can get a copy. And uh, The Great Impersonation, How the Antichrist Has Deceived the Whole World, and it has deceived the whole world. Very, very few people, there are very, very few people alive today who have not been flummoxed, hoodwinked, and lied to by the Jewish master plan, which includes the United Nations and NATO, etc., etc. All of these so-called international organizations are all riddled with Jew bankers who are trying to control the world. They're They're not trying. They're doing it. They're simply doing it. It's a matter of fact. It's a matter of fact. That's the way it is. And uh, so if you, if you prefer to be a slave for Jewish ideologies, you know, just uh, be a liberal. <laughs> be a communist. Be a Zionist. Uh, and then you'll be a Jewish slave. You'll, you'll be totally controlled by them. There's only one group they don't control, and that's the far right. That's the only group the, the Jews have never controlled because that's been the common enemy of Jewish dictatorship. And so, conservative, true conservatism, let me just define true conservatism before we even get into liberalism. True conservatism is the restoration of the U.S. Constitution and the restoration of Christianity, true Christianity to America and to the world. 
that's true conservatism. And, of course, there is no such thing, not broadly popular anyway, what you see is neoconservatism, which is, of course, Jewish. It's the neocons who got us involved in Iraq and Afghanistan by staging 9-11. We all know that was a Mossad operation. And so here we go again, the Jews controlling your mind by staging attacks against your country and blaming it on somebody else. It's proxy wars. They create proxy wars, and you pay for it with blood, sweat, and tears. Liberalism. With regard to the next subject, liberalism, it is wise to first consult the scriptures. Quote, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I have commanded thee this day, that the stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. Now let's think about this. America was founded by white people who were also Christians. The slogan of the American Revolution was, No king but Jesus. It was prosecuted by the black-robed regiment, the pastors of New England. That's who prosecuted the American Revolution. It was a white Christian revolution. What is it today? Today we see Christianity being outlawed. We see Islam being promoted in the schools. Whatever happened to separation of church and state? Well, it's separation of Christianity from state. What we need to have is separation of Judaism from state. Judaism needs to be outlawed because it is an evil, disgusting, genocidal religion. Let me repeat what I said. It's an evil, disgusting, genocidal religion. That's what Judaism is. It's run by Talmudists who are the most supremacist people on the face of the earth. They're Jewish supremacists. And these are the people who uh, you believe are God's chosen, (laughs) okay? And it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Well, let's analyze this. Who is the stranger in America? It's the communist, capitalist, Zionist Jew. And he has gotten above us very high by taking control of our banks, our government, our educational institutions, you name it. The Jews have taken over all of these things and have gotten above us very high. And we, the indigenous white people who created this country, have come down very low. Let me repeat the prophecy. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. Of course, these words are being spoken to Israel, true Israel, Caucasian Israel. The Jews are not Israelites. They are either Ashkenazi Khazars or Edomite Sephardim. Neither have anything to do with the Israel of the Bible or Israel today. And uh, you just go to my website, www.anglo-saxonisrael.com, and watch the Migration Chronicles, which prove that the Caucasian people are, in fact, the Israelites of the Bible, and that these things, these prophecies, this prophecy is affecting us 
it's the Jews who are the stranger in us. That means it can't possibly be Israel. These words are being addressed to Israel, and we're the ones because we refuse to obey his laws. That's the whole point. Because we refuse to obey his laws, that the stranger that is within thee, that is the stranger that has come into your country, shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. Man, this is beautiful. This explains everything. It's because we haven't obeyed Yahweh's laws that all of this chaos is happening around us. This is chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Let's continue. He shall lend to thee. Who's the biggest money lender on the planet? Well, the Rothschild banks, the Jewish banks all over the world. It shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. Why? Because we're being impoverished by the Jewish fractional reserve banking system. And they have gotten total control of our country, and they've disenfranchised whites and Christians and have totally taken over. Therefore, everyone's with all the money. I mean, it's laughable that uh, we have among the blacks this reparations movement wanting to take away from white. Now, remember, uh, you know, there were, there were white people in the North who were freeing the slaves. I don't know, somehow these black people don't ever get the, you know, show gratitude for the fact that white men gave their lives to free blacks from slavery. And they, and they want to tax the descendants of these same white people who gave their lives to free them from slavery, want to tax these white people. Talk about ingratitude. But they never even mention the fact that the Jews owned the slave ships and the Jews sold the slaves to the southern plantation owners. And if the Jews have all the money anyhow, so why don't they get reparations from the Jews? That's where all the money is. But, of course, these blacks are more Jew puppets who are simply putting out swill. It's liberalism. That's what they're doing. They're putting out liberalism. Uh, Tear-jerking, heart-wrenching, rub your hands together, crying for, for... False, false ideals. It's a soap opera. It's a total soap opera, political soap opera. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Look at the world, folks. Who's running everything? Who is the head? It's the Federal Reserve Bank. Jew owned, conceived, Jew operated. As we speak, that's the head, folks. It's not the government. It's not Congress. It's not Obama. It's not the president. It's the high Jew bank. That's the head. So read Deuteronomy, chapter 28, and you'll see that all the curses that are listed in Deuteronomy, chapter 28, apply to all the white nations of the world today because we have sinned and it's the churches who are most at fault for denying the law of God and then because they have denied the law of God well this is the punishment the stranger that was that is within thee shall get above thee very high and thou Israel 
shalt come down very low. That uh, sums things up. The high Jew bank and the low white Christian. Concerning the Jewish origins of classical liberalism, it would be very difficult to prove it conclusively. Classical liberalism was a different animal. It's not today liberalism is big government. It's, in fact, uh, the liberal, today's liberal cannot do anything without promoting big government. It's all about big government, using government to control, to take away your guns, uh, using government to force you to accept gays, using government to force you to accept all of their liberal programs, such as uh, having uh, lesbian scout leaders, etc., etc. They want to ram this down your throat. There's no more open discussion. You will accept our liberal programs whether you like it or not. I don't call that freedom, folks. I call that dictatorship. But, of course, it's a long program of brainwashing, and that's why they need to take control of the schools so they can brainwash the children from a very young age. And so everything continues to get worse. Rapes increase. Murders increase. It's all, you know, because liberalism destroys the foundations of the country. And that's the purpose of liberalism. Now, classical liberalism was, uh, say, up to 1800 and maybe a little bit into the 1800s, was anti-monarchic and anti-monopolistic. And, uh, and of course, anti-church. Okay? So these, this was classical liberals, and then most of it was actually well-intentioned and uh, had a, g- a good result in that it, it, con- it declined the control of the Roman Catholic Church over civilization. And that's cla- classical liberalism. And the Freemasons became an organization along those lines to oppose Romanism and, and the monarchical system of Europe wasn't necessarily opposed to the monarchy in England because it was founded in England and it just migrated over to the continent. However, in 1776, May 1st to be exact, the Rothschilds, uh, Meyer Amschel Rothschild and Adam Weishaupt created the Illuminati. And the Illuminati began to infiltrate the Freemason orders and to redirect them in totally anti-Christian the, the original Freemasons were not anti-Christian in the broad sense. They were simply anti-Catholic. But then uh, the Illuminati converted it to simply anti-Christian and anti-monarchic. In other words, they imposed to the established order. And what was the result? Well, of course, the public propaganda was, you know, democracy. We have to change the monarchies into democracies. Well, what are our democracies? Benjamin Franklin said a democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting for what's for dinner. It is simply control by whoever controls the printing press, whoever controls the media, who can sway the vote. That's democracy. Republicanism, a republic, is semi-aristocratic in that it's based on local rule 
where the people choose the best of the best as their leaders. That's theoretically, and it did work that way until the system began to be undermined around, uh, well, it was actually uh, the Freemasonic Party began to undermine uh, politics here in America, and uh, I'm trying to think of uh, John Quincy Adams was the guy who actually started an anti-Masonic party. You never hear about that. Why don't you hear about the anti-Masonic party? It's because the liberals don't want you to believe that there's such such things as secret societies. See, the universities swear up and down that secret societies don't exist. Why do they make this declaration? It's because the university system and all academia is controlled by Freemasons. <laughs> okay, Freemasons and Jews. So they want you to believe that the devil doesn't exist. Satan's not real, folks. Forget about it. Don't even think along those lines. You know, George Bush and and uh, all the others. Oh, oh, yeah. Gerald Ford with with his thirty-three degree Mason. Um, Apron. No, he, he never really wore that apron. <laughs> Freemasonry doesn't exist. Right? This is what you're told by academia. Well, they're just a bunch of liberals, mind-controlled liberals. They don't think their own thoughts. They only think what the secret societies tell them to think. So this is the state of affairs in the modern world, and it's pretty silly, and it's pretty sick. What passes for knowledge is stupidity. So classical liberalism was anti-monarchic and anti-Catholic. It did not seek to overthrow the existing society. They just wanted to, it was a reform movement actually, just as the reform movement of uh, Martin Luther. But liberalism, modern liberalism, and of course even the, the classical liberals opposed big government in those days because it was represented by monarchy and Romanism. So they were opposed to big government. They were true classical liberals. And they believed in the rights of man, not in the rights of big government. Today's liberalism is the exact opposite. It's all about big government. It's total dictatorship. And the average liberal has uh, this delusion that the little small liberal can control big government. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's an animal created by somebody else to control you, and you think they have convinced you that you have you think your own thoughts, and this is what you want. But you've been brainwashed. You've been conditioned from cradle to grave. It's called liberalism. So modern liberalism is the total exact opposite of classical liberalism, which used to believe in the rights of man, but now believes only in the rights of homosexuals and Jews. It remains a fact that the Jewish banking families of the 18th century Europe, for their own purposes, were just as opposed to the twin models of church and monarchy as were the non-Jewish liberals, such as Rousseau and Voltaire. And the Rothschilds were not cheap when it came to funneling their money into liberal organizations all with heavy Jewish membership, such as the Jacobins, the Illuminati, and Freemasonry, for the purpose of overthrowing the established order. So in other words, what the Jews do, 
is they will take a legitimate reform movement and redirect it through their agents and through their money to a total destruction of the established order. So, in other words, it goes from reform to revolution. A reform to a coup or putsch, which is, you know, we've talked about with regard to what they did to Russia in the Bolshevik Revolution. So whether they do it peacefully or violently, it's the Jews who pull the strings. In parentheses here, the subject of Jewish infiltration of Freemasonry is too big to deal with here, but an old witticism describes the situation concisely. Quote, too much Manischewitz wine in mason jars, unquote. So it's these type of uh, grassroots slogans that people understand what's really going on. Too much Manischewitz wine in mason jars. Of course, Manischewitz is a Jewish wine, and mason jars is a reference to Freemasons. So too, too many Masons and too many Jews. Although liberalism may or may not have originated in the Jewish mind, it certainly has been used by international Jewry to undermine the nations of the world. As with secular humanism, the purpose of liberalism is to undermine both Christian civilization and white ethnic pride. In both these areas, modern liberalism serves Jewish ambitions well, especially when it comes to cooperating with black Shabbos goys, such as Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. It is no accident that the top two purveyors of liberal anti-Christian decadence on television are Jerry Springer and Howard Stern. Of course, there may be worse examples of Jewish decadence on mainstream TV these days, but certainly Hollywood, which is totally Jewish, is the mainspring of decadence in the world today. And yes, class, what tribe are they from? Jerry Springer and Howard Stern and all of the Jewish porn producers, soft porn, hard porn, you name it, bestiality, homosexuality, the decadence, organized decadence. Where is it coming from? Who's profiting from it? The answer is very simple, if you're honest. Modern liberalism is the perfect disguise for the progressive Jew living within a Western society, that progressive mean pro-communist, big government, with the Jews occupying the positions of the government. That's what progressivism really is. It enables him to challenge the West's moral traditions with notions of tolerance of other races, creeds, and ideologies. But have you noticed that white people are no longer tolerated? White people must be eliminated? Christianity is no longer tolerated. Conservatism is no longer tolerated. Ideology. Have you noticed that liberalism is very closed-minded and intolerant? And it's gotten to the point where if you use the N-word, you can be prosecuted. But blacks who commit crimes and burn down their neighborhoods and kill people in gangs, don't get prosecuted. That's quite amazing, folks, that words can put you in prison, but acts of violence, you get off scot-free. That's the crazy world. Remember? 
the quote I, I, I made from Genesis 28, those, the, the stranger that is within you will rise above you very high and you will be brought low. This message is for white people to return to true Christianity, to return to God's law. Unless and until you do that, your society, your country, everything you hold near and dear will simply evaporate before your eyes because this is Yahweh's punishment upon Caucasian Israel. That's what, that's what it is. So you better start thinking about returning to God's laws. And if you belong to a church that denies his law, get out of that church. You run from that church as fast as you can. You're better off being a lone nut Christian, reading your own Bible, than going to one of those churches. Because that is an antichrist church. It's amazing. Of all major movements, liberalism does the most damage to Christian civilization because it is an appeal to the heart. The white Christian world must make reparations to the rest of the world for the injustices that the Jews have really committed (laughs) upon an innocent world. Of course, we get the blame, colonialism, but the Jew bank came right in with the colonialists, and the Jew bank controls all these countries, the World Bank. International Monetary Fund, none of these black African countries make a move without consulting the high Jew bank. The high Jew bank determines what industries are allowed to operate in that black African country. Yet nobody complains about Jewish colonialism, Jewish bankster colonialism. Nobody ever complains about that. It's as if the the Jew banks have absolute right, divine right to rule. And you dare not mention it in the so-called free press how banksters determine the fate of nations. In reality, most of these injustices have been spurred by Jewish bankers and their henchmen. But the white man was the most evident on the scene as the soldier, the oil man, the businessman, or as the missionary. So the white man gets the blame in spite of the fact that the Jewish bankers have profited most from colonialism, while it's attended dope peddling, prostitution, slavery, exploitation of natural resources, and warfare. Because the Jew always hides behind the scenes, is on the top floor of his high Jew bank where very few people can see the Jew. And it was just the same way with slavery. Okay? So the historians, all they see is the white slaveholder, the slight pla- uh, white planter. They never see the Jew who owns the slave ships that brought the slaves from Africa. And they never see the Jewish slave dealer who actually sold the slaves. I mean, they've got one eye is blind, totally blind. They can't see Jewish. All they see is white. But yet they believe that these Jews are God's chosen. 
Liberalism, for all its seemingly noble beginnings, has been turned into a guilt trip for the white man and woman. All the while, Judaism preaches separateness and chosenness for its own. So why are Jews criticized for wanting to have their own nation ruled by themselves? Why is only the white man criticized for wanting the right of self-determination? clear double standard here. That's what the modern world is all about. It's a Jewish double standard. A good example of this is an article written by columnist Norman Podhoritz in the May 8, 1985 edition of the Chicago Sun-Times. The article is entitled, quote, Too Few Protested Vidal's Anti-Semitic Venom, unquote. And Podhoritz's complaint is that a liberal publication like The Nation shouldn't allow people like Gore Vidal to criticize Judaism. Okay, well, see, the Jews have created modern liberalism, and so they don't like it when one of their their, their children, one of their little creations, gets out of line and uses liberal ideology against the Israeli state. No, 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 you can't do that. You can't apply liberalism to the Jews. The Jews aren't liberal. The Jews are supremacists. And you, you dare not get out of line and protest about Jewish supremacism. Says Podhoritz, Vidal, Vidal's main point is that most American Jews are Israeli fifth columnists who stay among us in order to make propaganda and raise money for Israel. Gore Vidal is absolutely right. Jews aren't liberals. They're supremacists. They only pretend to be liberals. They only liberalism to undermine white Christian society and our constitution yet the full flavor of his piece cannot be conveyed by citing even this libelous accusation of treason treason uh, hello this is America you can criticize any country you want including America I'd say Mr. Podhoritz is overreacting he says that an American complaining about Israeli fifth column activity is treason? What? Of course, it's the Jews who are the traitors because America has no responsibility whatsoever to support the Israeli state, that genocidal dictatorship called the Israeli state. Who says America, which was founded as a Christian country, has any obligation to support a Jewish country. Yet we're sending billions of dollars there all the time. Taxing Christians for it. Taxing secularists for it. This is, I'd say that's treason. Is turning our country into a pro-Jewish state. Even And these same liberals, it's amazing, these same liberals will avow the, the principle of separation of church and state and not complain about money being sent to a Jewish state. Judaism is a religion after all. And so here, Gore Vidal is pointing out the inconsistency of liberals saying, oh, we support separation of church and state, yet send your money to Israel, that Jewish state. That's contradiction. Gore Vidal is simply pointing it out. 
And Mr. Podhoritz continues, <laughs> calling, calling Vidal's opinion treason, or the incredibly impudent statement that Jews born in the United States are only living here on sufferance as guests, and should shut up about the politics of the host country. <laughs> See, Pat Horace is offended that Gore Vidal has figured out that Jews are a parasite living in a host country. Gore Vidal, even though a liberal, figured it out. And this is what Pat Horace can't stand. Somebody figured it out and has actually spoken about it publicly. It's not impudent. It's the absolute truth. And my comment here, one of the special privileges that the Jews have wrested for themselves from the American government is the privilege of dual citizenship. Jews can be simultaneously citizens of the USA and of Israel. Israel, sorry, I mispronounced it. Here, a legitimate question can be raised. Does America have a right to insist that private Americans not concern themselves with the internal politics of other countries? Actually, it is against the law for American citizens to involve themselves in the politics of other countries. That's supposed to be for our statesmen. Yet, Jews are permitted to do so since they are dual citizens. And since the Israeli Constitution is not in the same spirit as the U.S. Constitution, don't we have a legitimate gripe about the actual loyalties of Jewish Americans? And even Richard Nixon that Jews are disloyal Americans. That was Nixon's opinion of Jews. Don't we have a right to ask of Jews, of anybody, do you support the U.S. Constitution or the Israeli Constitution? The two invariably must conflict. Whose side are you really on? And what we find out with Jewish liberals is they're always on the side of Israel and never on the side of the U.S. Constitution, America. Do you see the conflict? It's sort of like asking, do you support God or Satan? Mr. Podhoritz apparently doesn't think we should gripe, and he is, of course, careful not to bring up the dual citizenship issue in his article. Mr. Podhoritz goes on to say, quote, What is troubling, however, is that a magazine professing devotion to liberal values should be willing to print an article that, as an irate letter to the nation rightly said, would have been at home in one of the anti-Semitic sheets put out by the Nazis in the 1930s. Well, now, hey, Gore Vidal has a right to his opinion. But see, Mr. Podhoritz is upset that this Jewish contradiction, because the Jews created modern liberalism, that one of their own, one of their own creations, figured it out and now has turned against them. See, I, uh, Gore Vidal is telling Jews, I figured you guys out. You're hypocrites. And what is even more troubling, Podhoritz says, is that unlike the writer of that letter, most of the nation's prominent friends and admirers have been unwilling to protest. Well, probably because most of them are Jews, and they see the contradiction too. Mr. Podhoritz, it's a contradiction to insist in a separation of church and state and then to support Israel. That's a contradiction. 
You're the traitor. Not Gore Vidal. By the way, you're listening to Revolution Radio. This is the Restoration Hour. I'm Pastor Eli James. And this is part five of our series on Jewish ideologies. I hope you're beginning to understand what Jewish ideologies are. They're totally, they're hypocrisy implemented. They're total hypocrisy. The Jewish double standard reigns supreme in the world today. It's in every institution, education, press, government, media. It's everywhere. And Jews don't care about contradictions. They care only about dictatorship. It's a dictatorship of the mind. It's the Jewish empire of deceit. Lies, 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 and more lies. With such total control of the flow of information that very, very few people actually speak out against. And Gore Vidal is one of the few. And certainly anybody who is an establishment liberal or conservative, the same thing happens to conservative so-called, you know, because neoconservatism is totally Jewish. It was conceived, in fact, it was conceived by a communist Jew by the name of Leo Strauss. His plan was simply to infiltrate the Republican Party, pretend to be conservative, and support Israel. That's how the neo neoconservative movement was founded by a communist Jew named Leo Strauss. Of course, you never hear anything about Leo Strauss. All you hear about is Israel and how America should support Israel. Why? Why should we support a brutal dictatorship that has no love for America and spits in our faces, craps on us even, instead of being grateful. But we shouldn't be there at all, because our Constitution forbids us involving ourselves in foreign wars. Our early presidents all said, stay out of foreign wars, stay out of foreign wars, stay out of foreign wars. But since the Jews have taken control of our country, especially under federal dictator Rosenfeld, it's been a different story. America has become internationalist. America has become the world's police force. There's nothing in our Constitution that justifies that. There's nothing that justifies the president going out and making police actions around the world. These are wars, folks. People die. Many of these wars are genocidal, in fact. Correct. Millions of children, innocent children, died because of the war and the sanctions. Whole populations, such as the Kurds, being wiped out with American intervention. This is evil, pure, rotten, stinking, evil. And yet, liberals are silent, with few exceptions. Conservatives are silent, with few exceptions. Why is it? Because they're afraid of offending the Jew. They might lose their job. They might get criticized publicly. So if your opinion, if you think your opinion is your own, 
and you're watching Jew Media, I'm sorry, you don't have your own opinion. You've been brainwashed. So, in other words, Pod Horat says, oh, if you criticize Israel, you're a Nazi, even if you are a liberal. This is how the Jewish mind works. And it's patently obvious that this is how Mr. Pothorts thinks. Jews first, America last. Jews first, Britain last. Jews first, France last, etc., etc. Whatever country a Jew lives in, he is expected to support Jewish ideologies and the host country be damned. And that's exactly what Vidal understood. And he stated it very honestly. Here is a Jew saying that freedom of speech, when it comes to criticizing Judaism, is not to be included as an ideal of liberalism. Okay, so the Jews created modern liberalism, so they want liberalism to stay within its proper definition. You don't criticize Judaism. And if you should stray, then, you know, Mr. Podhoritz is the censor, and other Jews, he's not the only one, Every Jew is a censor trying to prevent you from speaking out against Judaism. That's what the ADL is. That's all it is. It's the Anti-Dissent League. Mr. Podhoritz begs us to allow him to be our conscience and complains that too few people are protesting against the criticism of Jewish political methods. Too many people are criticizing Israel for its treatment of Palestinians. That is a just and fair criticism of Israel, folks. Just don't be too public about it. And if you're a high-ranking official, you better dare not say anything. You will lose your job. Just ask uh, Cynthia McKinney, who, uh, when she was part of the flotilla, was still a representative, I think a congresswoman from Georgia, I think it was. Well, Jews saw to it that she was dethroned at the very next, next election. You don't criticize Jewry without paying some kind of price. By this kind of media pressure, world Jewry continues to try to define the parameters of liberalism, hoping to ensure that liberalism always maintains a strict and vociferous anti-anti-Semitism. Okay? You must always protest against anti-Semitism. So liberalism and anti-anti-Semitism, okay, these are, it must, anti-Semitism must be suppressed. So therefore, you must be an anti-anti-Semite. <laughs> okay. They did the same thing in the 50s and 60s with their persistent anti-anti-communism. See, it was then fashionable to be an anti-communist in the uh, McCarthy days. But then when McCarthy started identifying the Jewishness of the communists, then the uh, mass media began a campaign of anti-anti-communism. So you can't, you can't protest against communism. There's something wrong for you with you if you protest against communism. You must be a conservative or a Nazi. Therefore, you had very subtle anti-anti-communism. The Jewish press was riddled with it, filled with it. And, of course, Joe McCarthy was their target because he was the one doing breaking up the muck and finding Jewish communists everywhere. So therefore, the 
mainstream media published, uh, you know, what, what I would call soft, soft anti-communism. It's, it's the way you're going about things, Mr. McCarthy. It's not that communism is good, but the way, you know, you're using freedom of speech, you're using the military, you're using the courts to root out communists. That's not fair. You should leave those communists alone. Let them do what they're doing. They don't want to hurt anything. And this is the type of commentary, a so-called news, that was the spew of the Jewish newspapers during the McCarthy era. Anti-communism. Soft-selling uh, anti-communism. Communism isn't so bad. These damn dictators always pervert. Yeah, haven't you heard that line numerous times? If only communism, if only communist countries weren't ruled over by dictators, <laughs> folks. Communism is dictatorship. Blame Stalin. Blame Mao. Blame Ho Chi Minh. Blame anything except the Jewish ideology. Communism. It was with classical and cynical Jewish sarcasm that Groucho Marx said to an audience composed mainly of Goyim, Goyim being non-Jews, Who do you believe? Me or your own eyes? You can't believe your own eyes, folks. You have to believe the Jews. Is Todd Horace a liberal, or is he a flaming Zionist trying desperately to maintain pro-Zionism as part of the liberal agenda? It certainly is the case that criticism of Zionism by liberals is few and far between. When liberalism goes to extremes, it becomes anarchism, the total breakdown of the established order. This is what happened during the Great Terror in France and in Russia. Very obviously, liberalism foments the decadence which results in anarchism. Look around you at today's society. Abortion, violence, suicide, shockingly decadent entertainment, mass killings in our schools, most of which are committed by people on sedatives or antidepressants. Of course, you can't criticize the corporate media, you can't criticize pharmacia, corporate pharmacia. They're the biggest advertisers in the media, so you can't blame it on them. you got to blame it on guns, right? Now, who is it that took God out of our schools and his laws? Who is it that took God out of our schools and is trying to take God out of our lives? It's the liberals, folks. It's the liberals and the secular humanists, too, and both, both movements are run by Jews. Mikhail Bakunin was the Russian anarchist who often worked hand-in-hand with Karl Marx before he realized that Marx was just using him for devious purposes. Of Marx and the Jews, Bakunin finally realized, like Pat Horitz, I'm sorry, like Gore Vidal in the more modern era, finally realized that the Jews are hypocrites and live according to double standards. We'll talk to Kieran after the break. Stay tuned. This is Restoration Hour. 
hate-hype-and-fear. We are proud to bring you cutting-edge programs like The Liam Chef Show. The Rundown Live with Mike and Kristen. Real Politics with Professor James Tracy. Your DIY help with Jim Ram. Revolutionary Radio with Rob Skiba. Truth Stream Media with Aaron and Melissa Dykes. The Covert Report with Susan Lindauer. And dozens more. Did you know you can listen from any computer, mobile device, or from any telephone by dialing 832-225-5308. Or call into your favorite show toll-free at 866-37-TRUTH. Uncensored talk and news you won't hear in the mainstream media 24 hours hours a day. day. Truth Frequency Radio. Wherever you are, make it TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. Professor at News, I'm Patrick Cross. Marriage licenses have been issued to same-sex couples Friday in at least eight states where marriage amendments have been struck down by activist judges. That's after the Supreme Court ruled that homosexuals in all 50 states can marry. Ed Pataglioto is with the American Family Association. This is a, a queer rebellion against God, and it has been issued by the, the at least the majority of our Supreme Court. Russell Moore with the Southern Baptist Convention, Ethics, and Religious Liberty Commission says he thinks of the ruling first as Christian, then as an American. As a Christian, uh, I am uh, standing with, uh, with millions of other Christians all over the world, understanding that uh, the definition of marriage is designed by God, not by any uh, human government, not by any human court. Four of the court's nine justices decided accusing their colleagues of usurping power that belongs to the states and the voters. Also on AstroNews.com, the White House is President Obama, Vice President Biden, and their wife met Friday with the families of victims of last week's deadly shooting at a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina. Meanwhile, a choir sang at the funeral for Emanuel Amy Church shooting victim, the Reverend Clemente Pinckney at College of Charleston TV Arena. Pinckney was a South Carolina State Senator and the pastor of the historic black Charleston Church where he and eight others were gunned down. One of them is dead and the other is on the run. New York authorities say convicted killer Richard Matt was shot dead Friday after he was spotted near the town of Malone. New York Governor Mario Cuomo says Matt was an extremely dangerous person. Mr. Matt killed two people who we know about. Um, Mr. Matt killed his boss in a dispute and dismembered him. He fled to Mexico and then he killed another person in Mexico. Officers have trucked in floodlights to where David Sweat is believed to be, not far from where Matt was killed. This is Esther News. Which may be at this angle relative to a spacecraft or a NASA location, specifically shining above or below the equator of that remote moon or planet, or even above mission control in Houston, at the moment when the spacecraft lands on these distant bodies. The consistency of this phenomenon, which Richard C. Hoagland notes throughout his story every time it occurs, and it is frequent, argues persuasively that these choices are conscious and not chance. Hoagland calls this the ritual alignment model, and he explains how the key elements relate to Egyptian cosmology. Quote, only five stellar objects in the entire sky have any significance in our version of the ancient Egyptian cosmology. The three belt stars of Orion, representing Osiris, also Apollo in Greek and Roman cosmology, Sirius, representing Isis, and Regulus in Leo, representing Horus, the son of Isis. And only five narrow bands of stellar altitude, 
19.5 degrees above and below the horizon, 33 degrees above and below the horizon, and the horizon itself have any significance, end quote. And that's by S. Douglas Woodward, Power Quest, Book 2, The Ascendancy of Antichrist in America, Chapter 5, page 171. In other words, both Woodward and Richard C. Hoagland are saying that NASA's decision-makers are intentionally ritualistic in their planning. Woodward goes on to point out that the only gods of interest are Osiris, Isis, and Horus, who are indeed the primary characters in the Egyptian story of resurrection. Who else is obsessed with the number 33 and the rituals of Osiris that pertain to resurrection? Of course, the Freemasons. And NASA certainly has employed slash recruited many of them into their programs. Almost with tongue-in-cheek, Woodward gives some random factoids concerning the use of the number 33, noting that Werner von Braun conducted his first V-2 rocket tests in America at Launch Complex 33 in White Sands, New Mexico. It is the only launch complex there. The landing strip at Kennedy Space Center is labeled 33. During the Apollo 11 mission at 33 minutes post-touchdown, Freemason Buzz Aldrin performed a Masonic ritual as Regulus was at 19.5 degrees below the horizon as viewed from the moon's perspective. And uh, that's where we'll cut it off right now for the first half. We'll come back on the second half of this broadcast and continue where we left off, reading from chapter...
creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equation. Choice. The problem is choice. Right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Be here Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Private Eye Matrix Revealed with Monique Lassonde. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now...